Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I'm your host, Paul Oren. You can catch me on Twitter at NWI Oren, and you can catch Union Street Hoops online at NWI.com. You can catch it on Apple Pods, Spotify, pretty much all over the information superhighway. Greetings from train number 21, the Texas Eagle, en route to St. Louis. Arch Madness is here, and I am alongside my dear good friend and special guest today, Carl Berner. Carl runs the uh, is a director for the Valley on ESPN broadcasts that Valpo does, and also has been uh, you know involved in a lot of media stuff over the years. Carl, thank you for joining. Paul, I'm delighted to be here. Uh, first met Paul in a stairwell, uh, telling him about uh, the campus radio station WVUR, and uh, it brings back a lot of memories just being here with you, talking Valpo basketball, and uh, getting ready for another postseason tournament. We've done plenty of them together. That was 21 years ago in the Brant Hall stairwell. Uh, you were going down the steps. I was coming up. I saw you with a WVUR shirt on. I said, hey, that's the radio station. You said, come to a meeting. And uh, speaking of meetings, you also took me out for my 21st birthday. I did. And uh, that was a problem for me. Uh, it didn't end well uh, for Paul. It ended well for a lot of us. A lot of giggles, a lot of stories uh, to be told that shan't be told here. However, uh, yes, uh, many great times uh, in college, but uh, it's a great uh, basketball family in and around the, uh, the Crusaders. No idea how the sound quality of this is going to uh, is going to be. We're recording this in the viewing car of train number 21, the Texas Eagle, on the way to St. Louis. Carl, we're excited for Arch Madness. Uh, Valpo plays Thursday night. This is Wednesday afternoon. They play Thursday night against Evansville. If they win, they play Loyola. If they win that, I bet a lot of Valpo fans will be making their way to St. Louis on Saturday. I would, yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, it's getting over those first couple of hurdles, but if you can take Loyola out, then at that point, then you can realistically not only start thinking about Valpo uh, making the final, uh, you can also... <laughs> Uh, dare I say, talk about them possibly winning this thing. And let's look at some context for a second. Valpo winning this tournament would mean four wins in four days. Since they started tracking this stuff, since 1939, only 41 teams have ever won four or more conference tournament games in order to go to the NCAA tournament. That's a lot. Um, Valpo would, would have to do something that's never been done before in the Valley. Matter of fact, Bradley in 1998 is the only team to have won on Thursday night, and then one on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Like, no one's done that. Now, of those 41 that I mentioned, two of them were from the Horizon League, Detroit in 2012 and Milwaukee in 2014, and they both beat Valpo in those years. Yes, So Valpo's did. been on the wrong side of history more often than they've been on the right side of history. Um, we'll get to the Evansville game in a second. I want to, the big news is that Javon Freeman Liberty is healthy, as healthy as he's been in a month. Uh, he's been cleared. He was just named first team all conference. Finished third in the Larry Bird Player of the Year awards behind um, the AJ Green from Northern Iowa, the winner, and Cameron Crutwig from Loyola, who finished. Now, now there were 49 voters. AJ Green got 39 first place votes. Cameron Crutwig got 10 first place votes. No first place votes for Javon Freeman Liberty. I think I read that he had six second place votes and 10 third place votes. So 16 of the 49 voted him second or third, and the other. 23, 33, need to get their brains checked, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with you on that one. Uh, you're more of the nuts and bolts guy as far as this goes. But uh, I just, I, it, it's been an interesting season uh, in the valley uh, 
for not only for Valpo, but uh, for all these schools. But I mean, AJ Green, you can't really go wrong with that. No, choice. no, 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 no. I look, I'm not begrudging AJ Green or Cam Crutwig finishing one and two. I just don't know who is a better player this year than Javon Freeman Liberty outside of those two. So he makes all first team. He also made the all improved team. Um, and, and that's probably says a little bit something about about just how much of a step up he made this year. Malik McMillan made the all-improved team. He had a really a great jump. I just wrote a very long story about him on our first train trip of the day. We took the train from Valpo to Chicago, from Chesterton to Chicago, and I wrote a story about Malik, which will end up in NWI.com and the paper tomorrow. And then John Kaiser's on the all-bench team. Donovan Clay's on the all-freshman team. You've seen a lot of these games. How much does Donovan Clay excite you? Donovan Clay is going to be a dynamic player for Valpo for years to come or as long as he happens to stay around. Of course, he made the all-freshman team here at the end of the season. Um, and in some of the games, uh, really carried uh, carried the entire team on his back. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, there's one game in particular that I wanted to uh, highlight. And well, uh, that was a game. game. Uh, there was the Missouri State game, but there was also the uh, the first game at home, the conference opener against Loyola. Poured in yeah. 25 points, hit all eight of his shots, including that last one where his foot was on the three point line, yeah. and he got fouled. That could have tied the game had it been ruled a three pointer, but as we know, it was not. So uh, Donovan Clay, a dynamic player. Because I like traveling so much, I was actually in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, during that game, sitting at a diner, yelling at my phone uh, about <laughs> what is like. That looked like a three. It looked like a three. And it, it, in fact, it, they ruled it that it was not. A couple of interesting ref rulings in games against Loyola this year. And we'll see. Valpo uh, at home came up just I mean, five points short of, of Loyola. And on the road was one possession away. If you can get them on a neutral court now that these guys have, you know. I, and again, Loyola's gotten better too as the year's gone on. But, but you have to get by Evansville first. Before we dive into that game... How cataclysmic would it be if Valpo lost to Evansville? Well, I'll tell you, there's a first time for a lot of things, and there's also a first time possibly for this Evansville team to get a win in conference, albeit in postseason. Uh, you know, you just, you, you've got to think that something's got to give and that they're going to be giving Valpo their absolute best. This is not going to be a pushover. I know we talked about this a bit earlier. You said don't sleep on Evansville, and you can't. There's absolutely no way. Once the tournament comes around, it's a clean slate, and everybody's playing to move on. And uh, Evansville could pose some problems for Valpo, especially if they have another slow start or if they get in foul trouble. And Valpo has not been a first-half team. And so so I had a chance to talk to, and I hope he's not, I hope I'm not out of line in sharing this, but I talked to Jake Diebler the other day. He calls every once in a while to ask how Valpo's doing. And, and, and congratulations, Jake. He and his wife just gave, uh, just his wife, Jordan, just had their second daughter. Uh, beautiful, beautiful little girl. Um, so congratulations to Jake. But I said to Jake, I said, look, you were on a team last year, coached a team last year that went 0-18 in conference play in the SEC. How did you approach the SEC tournament? And he said that going into the game, they were excited. It was a new slate, a new start. And then he said, and pretty quickly in that game, you realize why you were an 0-18 team, and, and, and they kind of faded away. If Valpo can jump out quick on Evansville, I think maybe some of the self-doubt comes into Evansville's mind. But if it's a if it's a tight game at half, which a lot of Valpo games have been, if, if Valpo's down at half, then you're in a real dogfight. You're so. absolutely right. Here's something that uh, we talked a little bit about, and I gotta throw it on the table. Yeah. Uh, little uh, little uh, let's see, a viewing car 
coaching, if yes. you will. Yes. Gorgeous view, sunny it's a day great too view. here on a farmland. Uh, somewhere between Joliet and uh, our next stop, which I believe is Pontiac. Oh, we just went through Pontiac. Oh, we just went through yeah. Pontiac. See, I was so excited about this podcast, I was uh, I just geeked my way right through Pontiac. However, uh, here's the thing, Paul. Uh, with JFL being out the last couple of games, in one game, they looked pretty solid without him at home against Missouri State. Looked kind of lost at times without him Incredibly on the road lost, yeah. uh, at uh, Indiana State. Now. With this crew in place with no Javon Freeman Liberty, with his coming off of an illness, coming back in and understanding that you've got to play that Thursday game and you've got to win four games in four days, is it possible that we could see JFL getting a lot of rest in this game? If Valpo's able to get out to a lead, might we see him come off, maybe uh, uh, take some time, uh, more time on the bench than uh, out there on the floor in order to be a bit more fresh for Friday? And I think that's a great point. And I think that if Valpo is leading and they've got a, they build up, I think you watch his minutes. I think you have to, you, you can't not play him, right? Uh, and I think the term that I threw out earlier is it would be coaching malpractice to have him cleared and be cautious with him and end up losing a game because you're overlooking the team. Now that I talked to Matt Lottick a couple times this week, they're, look, as bad as Evansville might have been this year, Valpo won two games against them by a combined four points. That's so it it, it, it it could go. Now, now DeAndre Williams played in the first game at 28 points. He didn't play in the second game. He was held out of the regular season finale and looks like he's not going to be able to go on Thursday. But if he can play... He's one of the better players in the Valley. Um, and, and, and Javon will have his hands full going up against him. So, I, I look, I think that you've got to be mindful of minutes. I think the, the good thing for Valpo, obviously, is that they're playing in the 7-10 game as opposed to the 8-9 game. Yes, they play later, but that also means they play later on Friday. Because if you play in that... If you play in the 8-9 game, you play at 6 o'clock, I think, and then you play at like noon the next day... That's, that's a fast turnaround, as opposed to playing at 8.30, and so your game's done at 10.30, and you don't come back till 6. That's still a, a very quick turnaround, but it's not as bad as it could have been. So I think you've you got to be mindful of Freeman Liberty's minutes if you feel comfortable that you are winning the game. If this comes down to the last possession, which a lot of Valley games do, and if you've got to play your guys 35, 36 minutes, that's why teams don't win on Friday because they're in dogfights the night before. So if you can if you can look, I would I would try to my first six possessions run three-point looks for Fazekas and McMillan and just try to build a double digit lead early and and just see if you can buy time. I want Zion Morgan getting 25 minutes in this game if you can. Absolutely. And, and that that would be the way I think to go about it. And that's and that's the the, the deal with uh, with JFL. Like you say, you got to watch his minutes and try to hopefully keep him fresh for Friday. The other advantage, of course, Valpo has playing in the seven ten game outside of, and not in the eight and nine game is that they don't have to play Northern Iowa on the second day. Yeah, you got to play Loyola, a team that you have battled with, and you almost feel like you got to get over the hump sooner or later. And a lot of people have been critical of Valpo. And their in their assimilation into the valley, Loyola was no was no world beater when they got into the valley. Now the argument, of course, is Valpo was better in the Horizon League than Loyola was, but is still a night and day difference in these conferences. Absolutely, like, and you mature quickly. You have well, to. Yeah, you, know, you have to. So the number of, I, I did some math or did some the number crunching. Bradley is the number four seed this year in the valley, and they're twenty and eleven this year, I think. 
the number four seed in the Horizon League is UIC, and they're 15 and 18, I think, mm-hmm. something like that. Like, there's just a, it's just night and day. It's not, it's almost comical to even be talking about it. We just passed a distillery, by the way. I'm very excited about that. I'd like to turn around. <laughs> Unfortunately, the train doesn't stop. No, there. it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, yeah. Well, I was I was thinking of a Johnny Cash line. I can't come up with one here. <laughs> this is good. Again, if you, if you're if you're just joining us, which is impossible because uh, oh, we, we're getting ready to stop. They're they're walking by. They're going to take tickets. We're getting ready to stop in Bloomington Normal, home of Illinois State. Let's talk Illinois State for a second because the eight nine game is the other game on Thursday night. Illinois State against Drake. Drake is a team that was very good last year, but had some injuries. Bloomington again. We're we're getting ready for Bloomington Normal right here. The the home of the Redbird Twitter, which is a the great fan base of of Illinois State fans. They are going to be rocking St. Louis. They do every year. They stay great fan base. Great fan base. Great fan base. Um, it's going to get a little loud here, guys, because we're going to be pulling into the station and. I imagine the Redbird fans are going to be getting on the train here. And we may be getting close to dining car hours. Uh, yeah. People are yeah. making their reservations and walking right past us. So just enjoy the surroundings here on on the Train 21, the Texas Eagle. Normally we'd edit all this out, but A, we don't have time, and B, we want you to feel what we're feeling. So, exactly. Um, we're getting some odd looks from the passengers who don't know what this big, giant, blue microphone is in the middle of our table. Um, so Illinois State and Drake, It's you know, Drake is a team that... They just, uh, they, you know, they face some adversity at the beginning of the year when one of their players accidentally shot somebody. Um, it's adversity, whatever that might be. It's adversity, and uh, and it's just some guys. They've got some really talented players on their team, and it just they've lost a lot of tight games. They're a dangerous team, I think. And if there was a team out of the four that I thought could challenge somebody the next night on Friday, it's Drake. I think Drake with DJ Wilkins, Roman Penn, Liam Robbins. They're a really really good team. Illinois State has fought hard. Stop here just a few minutes. Hold on a second. This is Bloomington Normal. Bloomington Normal. Gather your personal belongings. Are there any other belongings other than personal belongings? Are they think that thinking that we're traveling with public belongings? It's a good question, Carl. So, oh, we're gonna we're stopping for a smoke break. Smoke them if you got them. If you got them, so we're gonna keep podcasting here. Uh, but uh, yes. Drake and Illinois State. An interesting matchup, as you say, and uh, Drake, they'll play it to a tight game, and they've, their cohesion has gotten better as they've gotten toward the, late in the season. That sounds like a really dumb thing to say, but honestly, this team has gelled, and uh, coming into tournament time, it's going to be a really interesting game, and I think there's a lot of pride on the line for both of these teams coming in 8-9. Drake is 18-13 and 13 this year and they're the number eight seed in the conference. They finished eight and 10. They're not a bad team. They just didn't perform well down the stretch. I think this is a team that can challenge Northern Iowa if they get out of this Illinois State game. Illinois State, Dan Muller is gonna coach him up. He'll have him going. But I think, to me, Drake feels like the dangerous team. So I've got Drake winning this game, and I've got Valpo, obviously, winning against Evansville. Evansville went 0-18 for a reason. And I know Valpo has struggled at times to put teams away, but I think they're both they're both moving on. I we, also have Drake and Valpo moving on myself. Then we get to Friday, and you've got Northern Iowa against Drake. And look, as much as I think Drake can push them, they are Northern Iowa. They do have A.J. Green. They do have Austin Fife. They do have Trey Burhow. They do have all of these guys. Isaiah Brown, the defensive player of the year, beat Javon Freeman Liberty by one vote, mm-hmm. one point. 
Mm-hmm. He he wins the award by um, Northern Iowa twenty five and five this year. Four of those five losses came in the valley though, mm-hmm. and uh, they're not infallible. But I think they beat Drake. And you can make the argument that, of course, UNI has an extra day of rest there. However, in a tournament like this, sometimes the second day is when you can really catch one of those teams that have a bye because they're not they're not up to game speed yet. You've already played. Drake will have already played. Or Illinois State will have already played a win or go home and, and also experienced postseason success. They will have won a game. I never think you can overstate how important that is, that you have won a game that you this is why I always thought the number two seed in the Horizon League got a raw deal because they would get that double buy and they'd have to play the three seed the three seed would have already won a game had already kind of felt some postseason success and they would catch the number two seed napping a lot of times I do think Northern Iowa wins the game I think it'll be a lot closer than anyone thinks it's going to be so Northern Iowa over Drake by a couple possessions, less than 10 points for certain, in my opinion. But I do think you're going to see Northern Iowa move on. Yeah, and you're not going to you're not going to even get a push unless you get a huge game from Liam Robbins and uh, also from Roman Penn. Those two are both going to have to have a huge game if Drake's even going to be hanging in that thing toward the end. And you've got to get Robbins the ball inside. And I think that maybe the the advantage for Drake is that I don't think they have to be totally reliant on a three point shot, which means that you don't have to worry about your legs as much. But again, Liam Robbins, he's lost 70 pounds in the last year, you know, his stamina is going to have to be there. Then in the afternoon, you've got Bradley against Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois looked so good early in the season, and then they, they kind of dropped off a little bit. They've really faded down the stretch, and then you've got a Bradley team that is going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder. Daryl Brown on Twitter yesterday was hot about the fact that none of nobody from Bradley made the first team all-conference. He said Nate Kennel should have been second team. He was third team. He talked about some of the newcomers not making it and all of that. And uh, and Daryl Brown ended his Twitter rampage. And, again, I love when guys get candid on Twitter. <laughs> he ended it with, it'll all be sorted out this weekend. Bradley has had success in the tournament. They won it last year. And they're a better team this year than they were last year. Elijah Childs is back and somewhat healthy. I think they beat Southern Illinois pretty easily setting up a rematch of last year's title game in the semifinals between Northern Iowa and Bradley on Saturday, and that'll be a great game. Bradley is not pleased with falling to that four, so yeah, I, I'm, I've got Bradley as well. And like you, Paul, I, I don't want to sound boring, but yeah, I've got them winning this game pretty easily. And then and then we've got uh, the Loyola-Valpo game, which we'll get to in a second. Indiana State-Missouri State. You've got an Indiana State team who's really played well this year because they're more than just Jordan Barnes and Tyree Key, which is what their team has been really for the last couple of years. But they've they've gotten some freshmen. Trey Williams and Jake LaRavia are pretty good. Christian Williams is a good player. They've got Bronson Kessinger. They've got a deeper team than they've had at least in the last couple of years that Valpo's been in the Valley. Indiana State is good. You've got Missouri State who have got all these high major transfers uh, you've got Lamont West. You've got the top JUCO, one of the top JUCO players, and Gage Prim. To me, I always think with a team like Missouri State, if they're interested in playing hard, they can be a real tough out. But if these guys, and they've had cohesion issues, it appears, or something has gone amiss to make them go 15-16 and 16 this year, despite being picked to win the league, if Missouri State shows up and plays their A game, like they did when they destroyed Southern Illinois in the regular season finale, I think Missouri State wins this game. If they play like they did at the Arc, 
two weeks ago, or two games earlier, the right, the penultimate game of the regular season, and Valpo crushed them, then Indiana State wins going away. Yeah, and this is a, this is the one quarterfinal where you could legitimately see uh, the higher seed uh, making an upset here uh, with Missouri State getting that win, like you said. But if you get a huge game out of Tyreek Key and uh, some other key players, even uh, Bronson Kessinger, if he's able to have a big game down low, you know, you never know. It's it's sort of a, a roll of the dice there, and of course, Indiana State does come in at the number three. But I would not be surprised at all to see Missouri State moving on to the semis. Gun to your head, who wins? Missouri we, State, we, we, Missouri okay. State, I'm going to, rolling I'm into here. the semis. The Dios mio, man. I go with Missouri State as well. I, I think Missouri State pulls the upset here. So then Valpo Loyola, um, Valpo has been so close in the last two games. So close against them. They'll be coming off a game where they're beating Evansville, in theory, to, in our hypothetical plot of land that we're in sitting on. In our path our, to victory, yes. yes. In our path here. Um, so Valpo against Loyola, obviously to win, Valpo's going to have to hit three-point shots. Fazekas is going to have to hit some shots. McMillan's going to have to hit some shots. They're probably going to have to get Crutwig in foul trouble. Like, they've got to do, like, five things to have a chance. And even then, it's... How, I mean, Crutwig was so good earlier this year mm-hmm. at the Gentile Arena. You have to either either you have to let him get his and limit everybody else, or you've got to figure out a way to stop him. And that's really where maybe Emil comes in, and you say you got five fouls, use them, use them all, use them all, use them all right now. Uh, and you know, and I'm not I'm not adverse to uh, playing hack cam down there because uh, here's an interesting stat. If you look at it. Uh, and a lot of teams are gonna are gonna be doing this against Loyola and have all year. But in their two matchups this year, Loyola got to the line 51 times against Valpo and hit only 28 of those shots. So 28 of 51, Valpo seven of 11 in those two games against Loyola. Quite a disparity there uh, in foul shooting. But again, Loyola is going to miss some free throws more and, often than not. And look, part of that also is Valpo just has not been aggressive in driving to the lane against Crutwig. And when do you get fouled? You get fouled when you drive to the basket. And Crutwig does so much good inside now that's still a huge disparaging number, right? I mean, it's 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 not it's not good. It's a 40 free throw difference, but uh, so Valpo's going to have to be aggressive in this game. You're seeing some glimpses again of Daniel Sackey being aggressive and, and, and getting some playing time again. Obviously, with Freeman Liberty returning to the lineup, you would imagine that Sackey's playing time will go down a little bit. But I liked what I've seen from him, particularly in that Indiana State game. He felt like the only guy who was really really going for it. And uh, you gotta, yeah, maybe you gotta put Loyola on the line. Maybe you gotta use your fouls diligently and, and, and get them to a point where you you slow the game down a little bit and mm-hmm. get Crutwig in foul trouble. Yeah. That might be the key. I think you gotta shock on the fouls. You have to sort of look at it that way. And again, uh, you can have a plan for Crutwig, but. A lot of times, more often than not, he's still going to hurt you. 13 points and 10 boards against the Crusaders in uh, the conference opener back on December 30th. 20 points uh, in the game at Gentile. In a game where Loyola did not even really play particularly well, Valpo had a chance to steal that one. We all know how that one ended uh, with uh, Javon not being fouled. fouled. No, he was not fouled, everybody. Uh, but uh, that game uh, was one that really did hurt if you're a Valpo fan or and a Valpo player. So Valpo could come into this game 
with a little bit of uh, revenge on the brain, a little bit more added motivation. And again, if you are able to get past Evansville and you are able to rest Javon just a little bit and have him being a, a bit more fresh coming into Friday and up to game speed, this could be a barn burner. It really could be a good game. Uh, otherwise, if it's not a barn burner, unfortunately, I kind of see uh, Loyola run away with this thing if it's not a very close competitive game. No, I agree. And I think for, for interest of uh, rational thought, we've got to advance Loyola here. But I do think Valpo can give them a game. I really, truly and that's do. Really, from a Valpo standpoint, from a fan standpoint, that's really all you want to see. You want to see the guys go out, play hard, and really give them a game. And who knows? You know, if it comes down to one possession at the end of the game this time, maybe it ends a bit differently. Who and, knows? And, and last year, Valpo made it to the second round and played Loyola, and the game was over before it started. I think Loyola was like on a 13-2 start for the game. I remember the Packers of the 90s had the Dallas Cowboys that they had to battle against. And and you, I mean, you as a 49ers fan, mm -hmm. also dealt with those same Cowboys, things. Cowboys, Packers, same yes. thing, yeah. So it was the Packers lost bit for the Packers didn't get there then they got there and lost big then they got there and lost small mm -hmm. then they got there and won and then you start chipping away at yeah. that sort of thing and Valpo 0 and 7 against Loyola since they've joined the conference you know something's got to give at some point and again like we said while there is a first time for Evansville maybe there's a first time for Valpo against Loyola at this tournament uh, you get them on a neutral court perhaps the Valpo fans will be in attendance and abundant and hopefully as loud as Loyola's fans, and uh, it should be a great game. Let, let's hope for a really good game. That's all I can say. We've made our way through the quarterfinals, and we are pulling out of Bloomington right now. That was a good smoke break stop for the people that need it. Uh, actually, we're in normal. Um, I would have needed it 10 years ago, but I am 10 <laughs> years off the smokes now. Paul. Well, that's good. I've never had one in my life, but uh, I have you. had a lot of DP dough, which is a restaurant in normal here, which is, I keep, I'm looking for it because I know we're close, and... Uh, and, uh, man, what I wouldn't give for that. Actually, and we're looking Red, right into Red, the campus Yeah, now, Redbird Arena is right around the corner. Redbird here, Arena, right around there. So we'll see you down in St. Louis, Redbird fans. Okay. All right. Here we go. Lincoln, Lincoln, Illinois. In about Lincoln, Illinois. Here, 30 minutes. Coming to you live from Save the it. viewing car Thank in Water the Amtrak train. Watterson Residence Hall. We're going by it right now here mm -hmm. on the campus of Illinois State. So it feels... Uh, it feels, feels really valley right around. Right yeah, about it feels now, like we're in the it? valley. Okay, semifinals on Saturday. We got Northern Iowa against Bradley in a rematch of the conference title game where you and I had a big lead. They blew it. Bradley had a big lead. I think they blew it. I don't exactly remember how this game went, but I do know that Bradley pulled it out at the very end. And I thought to myself, that's not going to be the last time AJ Green's in a Missouri Valley Conference title game. And mm -hmm. I think he makes it back to one this year. I think Northern Iowa, understanding what they went through in the loss last year to Bradley, I don't think they're going to overlook the Braves. I think it'll be a great game. I think it might be the game of the year, and I think Northern Iowa is going to beat Bradley, but I think it'll be close, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that one. It's going to be close, but in the last 10 minutes, yeah, I see uh, UNI starting to pull away. Just uh, too much first-team power there, too much first-team all-conference power uh, with A.J. Green. And, uh, you know, it's going to get to a point where I think Bradley might get a little frustrated, get into some foul trouble, start putting UNI on the line where they will hit their free throws. That, that they will. But don't underscore Daryl Brown. 
great player, Elijah Childs, another really good player. And Elijah Childs has been hurt for a lot of the conference season. He's back. He doesn't maybe have the the tire that a lot of guys do this time of year. So he might be a guy that that is, uh, I don't know if that analogy landed. Maybe he's got better tread on the tire. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, anyways, I think Elijah Childs could be an X factor in this game. So I think it's going to be a great game, but I think Northern Iowa wins. Takes us to Loyola and what we said was Missouri State. Because we think Missouri State beats Indiana State. Can Missouri State pull the upset two games in a row? I think they can. Do I think they will? No, I, I don't. I don't think they will. They're gonna. They, unfortunately, uh, they they may run out of gas late in the game. And again, Cam Crutwig, you can't say enough about the guy. Not only is he big and strong and physical inside, he has the ability to create. He has the ability to make shots that big men aren't accustomed to typically normally making. He is just an absolute wrecking ball in the paint. So I think Loyola wins this one, and I think they win this one because Marquise Kennedy has an excellent game. I think, like A.J. Green last year, I think Marquise Kennedy is a freshman who's going to have a big moment in the tournament, leading his team to the championship game. And then that takes us to Sunday. And the game that I think we all want to see, I mean, obviously fans of every team want to see their team in it, but I think if you are a fan of the Valley and a fan of good basketball, you can't be upset about a Northern Iowa and Loyola final. Absolutely I think that not. would be the game that everyone really wants to see. The team that went to the Final Four a couple of years ago, I know that a lot of those players are gone, but they still have some there, Crutwig, Williamson, against the team that is 27-5 and at this point, which is what they'll be if they win these first two games, and is bordering on at-large consideration, although I think they're and, and no, one, no one really talks about them in the at-large conversation because they all kind of assume they're going to win the conference tournament. They do have the four losses to Valley teams, including one to Illinois State, which is not a great loss at all. Um, I just think that I, I kind of want Loyola to win that game because I want the I want the chance to have two teams in the tournament. I, I want to see. I really maybe I just want to be pissed off because <laughs> Northern Iowa is probably not getting in. But I want to see who would they would. T I mean, like, are you going to take Purdue over? And actually, maybe Purdue is not a good example. IU. I are do, you going to take right. IU mm -hmm. over Northern Iowa? Is there anyone on this planet that thinks that IU is a better basketball team than Northern Iowa? Well, they're if all so, on the East Coast and making the decisions. Unfortunately, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Like, I just, I, I've seen enough IU to know. I mean, the biggest game of the year, they brought their old coach back and they laid an egg. Like, if you can't get up for that game, you don't deserve to be in the... And look, and look, I've watched Valpo lay plenty of eggs this year, but, like, give me Northern Iowa. Give me a Northern Iowa team that loses by three or four points to Loyola in the title game over half the teams from the Big Ten that they say are going to get in, mm -hmm. right? It's just, and you know, I, I like the little guy. I just really do. That's what makes college basketball so great is the underdog status. And you're right. You're absolutely right. A team like Northern Iowa, if they lose in the title game and yet they get a bid in, you're going to see a really hungry team not only with a, 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 an overjoyed sense of gratitude about getting picked, you're also going to see a team out there that's ready to compete. You take someone like IU, well, you know, they've been there before. This isn't as great of an honor for them. They're a much bigger school. I like uh, seeing the uh, I like seeing the mid majors in there that are hungry, that are not only hungry but very very good basketball teams. So I'm with you. I would like to see Loyola win that game so that we have chance to get uh, two teams out of the valley in the big dance. 
but uh, I honestly, when it comes down to it, I think Northern Iowa is going to be just a little too much in the title game. This has been an extremely chaotic year in the Valley, right? I mean, you, you look at it, at looking at the standings right now, there are only teams that have a losing record in the conference. I mean, seven teams have at least 500, if not winning records. And it, it to me, it's everything is, you know, the number one seed, the num preseason number one pick, finished in a tie for sixth place and only got the 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 spot over Valpo because of the net, which we're going to get to in a second. Um, we're going to end the podcast talking about the net for a second. I've got a, I've got a, a hypothetical that I want to lay on you for a second, Carl. But what's been up has been down. What's been down has been up, and everything's been sideways in the Valley this year. It would be so unorthodox for this to go chalk but I kind of do see number one versus number two in the title game. Mm -hmm. If anything, if it goes according to the way the season has gone, it's going to be we're going to see six against two in the title game, maybe you know, or like, or three against three against eight in the title game, or something like that. <laughs> so I just uh, I can't wait. I'm really excited about it. Now I want to talk with you about the net for a second. So Valpo finished with a net of one thirty-five. And Missouri State finished with a net of 122. Now, Missouri State won that game, at, you know, against Southern U or Southern Illinois mm -hmm. down the stretch and, and jumped up a little bit. And Valpo lost to Indiana State by more than 10. I more think. than 10. And, they won by uh, lost by 13. I yeah, believe, yeah. And, and so and Missouri so Missouri State got a boost. Valpo fell, uh, but it was really close right before that. I was having a conversation with a member of the Valpo basketball program, and I don't necessarily know if I got this clear to talk about. So they're like. I don't want to like share who I was talking to, but we were talking about about the schedule and this idea that if Valpo wouldn't have gone to Eastern Michigan and played a game and lost, but would have played a home game against Chicago State and beaten them by 30, Valpo, or you know, again, you're probably going to be oh, Chicago State's got one win this year, I think, one Division One win. Valpo's probably going to beat Chicago State by a bunch, maybe not 30, maybe 25, whatever. If Valpo does that, their net might be high enough to, to usurp Missouri State, and then you're not playing on Thursday. Mm -hmm. And so here's the question. Do you want to see Valpo fans complain about the non-conference home schedule a lot? Do you want to see Valpo pad their schedule with teams like Chicago State that you can just blow out and pad your offensive efficiency numbers, which sets you up for having a better net down the line, or do you want to see Valpo play better games against, you want Mac schools like Eastern Michigan to come to the arc, it's going to be a better game, or Central Michigan or whatever, they're going to be better games, but you've got to, you, you maybe you only win by three or four, or maybe you lose. If we're all about setting up to get to the postseason, shouldn't you want all those Chicago State games? Yeah, I think it's an interesting discussion to have. My thought on it is, is I'd rather see Valpo go to Eastern Michigan and play that game because it's a more quality opponent. I'm I, My school of thought on that whole thing is that if you play better teams before the conference season, you're more prepared for the conference Makes season. Sense, you're going yeah. to be a better team down the line. It's going to make you a better team. If you play a bunch of cream puffs and pad your net, it doesn't help you grow. It doesn't help you grow as a team. It doesn't build your toughness. It doesn't build your, uh, your, mental, uh, your mental fortitude. Uh, so you could say six of one, half a dozen of another, but I'm of the school of thought that I'd rather play that Eastern Michigan game and lose and learn something from it 
and you know forget about my net and then maybe win a game in conference that you may not have won if you played Chicago State and won by 30. In the hope now for me maybe is that this pushes Valpo to get rid of these non-D1 games. I do appreciate that they'll play a team like they'll play against Jason Hawkins or they'll play against alums and give them a shot just like people gave Valpo a shot back in the day. I sure. do appreciate that mm-hmm. but I really do think it's got to be few and far between. Maybe you do it every other year. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just do it as the exhibition. Maybe you don't do that closed scrimmage at the beginning of the year, and you take both exhibition games. It just to me, spending two thousand dollars to bring in a team to buy a win. It just what does it really do for you? Like what? And when you talk about wanting to learn something from a game, what does that really do for you? And particularly this one, when they played, they played in this in this tournament that was the Virgin Islands this year. They played in that tournament, and then they came home and played that game like right away. Like, what do, what do you learn from that? And so, um, maybe if they can get those off the schedule, get another home game against maybe a Chicago State, where again it at least helps your net because I don't know that playing a Purdue Northwest does anything for the net at all. So, um, all right, Carl, we've talked for about 35, 36 minutes. Uh, I want to ask you really quick um just kind of your role as working these valley games kind of what's take can you take me through a normal day really quick of what what i mean is there's not really a normal day but while i got you here i wanted to ask you well usually the day begins with your phone vibrating every 10 to 15 seconds because you're getting game notes you're getting uh updates from the league you're getting updates uh from the broadcast coordinator ron blatz bless the guy he's an amazing human being and uh, really really good at his craft knows his stuff knows everything about a television broadcast in and out of a studio uh but basically, uh, the day will begin about three hours before game time, where everybody will show up. We'll go over our game notes, we'll go over our battle plan, we'll assign our crew. Uh, we'll start building our graphics, our game notes, our elements that we're going to involve in the show. Uh, make sure that we make copy uh, for the talent, go over all that stuff with our talent. Uh, and for men's basketball, it's typically Todd Eichow and Dave Huseman this year. Uh, Brian Jennings also uh, doing some work there and our great sideline team of uh, Lauren Wilson and Zach Collins, student broadcasters that have a bright future ahead of them. Um, and then uh, then it's uh, then it's all about just getting your crew ready, making sure they know what their assignments are, getting ready uh, for tip off. You got to of course you got to call ESPN, you got to fax out, you got to make sure everything's transmitting properly. And then uh, about a half hour before tip off, we uh, usually pre-record our show open. And then, uh, you know, we get ready. We get our ducks in a row, we get ready to go, and then uh, that on-the-air light hits, and you're off and running, and it is a blast, I'll tell you. It's a real rush. I mean, I'm a huge nerd. I'm a huge broadcast nerd. We all, we both know yeah, about all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But we're, we're uh, it really is... We're podcasting from a train we're right prop, now. <laughs> we're podcasting from a train, so it's perfect. Um, but it really is a rush, uh, broadcasting the games. We've got a great team of professionals, and it's it's a great place to learn. If you're a, If you're a high school student thinking about... Uh, getting into live television, I will put the Valpo Valley on ESPN crew up against any uh, in the Midwest, certainly, uh, and certainly any in the Valley as well. It's just a really great opportunity, and it's it's really rewarding as a manager, having done this stuff for the last 10 years and seeing how the program's been built. Really great watching the kids grow and uh, keeping into contact with them when they get out into the professional world. Let me t- take me into the John Kaiser injury in the uh, in the second to last home game of the year, I think it was against um, I don't even remember what game that was. The Southern Illinois Southern game. Illinois, they I held believe. Southern Illinois to thirty-eight points. When you're you were working that one, right? 
Yeah, yep. I was actually working at camera for okay. that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sorry. You you've uh, you you're training some other people, so you can training do some, some other people, and uh, you know that allows me to get out of the room and do some stuff I'd been wanting to do for a while. Yeah, I was on the floor there uh, for he was right in front of me when uh, he got injured the first time, and then he got injured on the other end of the floor yeah, later. Three in the times. Game. Three times he, the guy went down. That guy, he's all heart, and uh, you know, uh, and I knew when he came off uh, that it was not going to be a good thing. Of course, he did not play. Yeah, he missed a couple uh, games. Missed a couple of games, uh, but uh, has come back and you know he's found his his stroke again from deep and as, uh, he's as been a, camera, a great player. As a camera guy, there, what's your job? As a camera guy, there, my job is to get whatever shot is in front of me that's going to be most interesting to a viewer. Uh, now, if it's someone who's right in front of me and writhing in pain, of course you've got to use your best judgment. But that's not a camera person's job. That's the director's job. If I were in the director's chair, I would be like, we're not taking camera four because this guy's ankle is turned the wrong way and it's in the shot and it's not in good taste. But as a camera operator, you're getting that shot until you're told not to. Makes sense. Absolutely. Makes sense. Um, all right. I think that's going to do it for now. I mean, we could do this for hours, but uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm, I just want to enjoy the rest of the train ride here in the viewing car. Absolutely. We're on our way to St. Louis. This will not be the last time that you hear from me on Union Street Hoops. There, there. I've, uh, I've brought the microphone. I've brought the, uh, the uh, editing equipment. So Union Street Hoops is going mobile. Hopefully, uh, for Valpo's sake here, uh, there will be more games to talk about. I imagine if Valpo knocks off Evansville, we'll do a uh, emergency podcast session at some point uh, Thursday night and uh, or Friday morning, something like that. And uh, and, and continue on throughout the weekend. And you never know what special guests we might get to stop by. And hopefully Paul will have a story about having some pizza with Prevel cheese. My goal is to take Paul to Emo's. No, I've done it. Oh, you have? Yeah, no, let oh, me tell you. No, I'll tell you the oh, story. Oh, man, we could talk about no. Emo's all yeah, day. No, I'll tell we you. talk about the St. Louis-style pizza with Prevel no. cheese. There's nothing like Look, it. Look, we got nothing but time. We can talk here for a little bit longer about this. First time, <laughs> first time I went to St. Louis for the Valley Tournament, was uh, was two years ago, obviously, and uh, I get in Wednesday night late, and I stayed at the Hilton at the ballpark. I, I did for for me for my money, guys. For those of you, and this isn't a sponsorship deal because no one sponsors this damn podcast. If you want to sponsor the podcast, call me up. I'm cheap. I, go, I went to Priceline. I did an express deal, and I got like 65% off, and I stayed at Hilton at the ballpark. It was great, right? Great hotel. Everything's fantastic. It's right next to that really good third-place stadium that the Cardinals play in. And uh, Although I think they won the league. They, they did. They, win. did. they won well, two division. years ago, they were a third-place team. So, <laughs> anyways, I'm starving, right? I, I, I didn't eat on the train. Rookie mistake. I didn't eat on the train on the way there. We're, we're, in, we're sitting right above the dining car right now, so we've, we've already eaten. So, I, I go down to the hotel bar, and it's like 9.30. And I said, I'm starving. Is the kitchen still open? And they said, yes, uh, we can get pizza from next door. And I said, that sounds great. I want a large cheese pizza. You know, I was like Kevin McAllister in Home Alone. I had my own cheese pizza. And they bring it over. Not from Little Nero's. Though. Not from Little Nero's. No, I got it from a place called Emo's Pizza, which I'd never had before in my life. You're insane because you're smiling and giving the, the, the A-OK sign here. I took a bite of this pizza, and I don't really drink beer. I drink vodka, but I had the worst case of bitter beer face I've ever had. 
You weren't ready for the Prevel. Was I didn't even know what Prevel cheese. I trust me, I know what it is now. <laughs> I know what Prevel cheese is now, and it's not anything that I want anything to do with. I'll tell you this. Prevel cheese is on the docket for this weekend, I'm sure, and the Illinois State fans are bringing multiple bottles of Malort. It's going to be a crazy weekend. Oh, oh it's awful. Oh, But can you imagine oh, eating? <laughs> oh, jeez. I mean, I'll just take all the Prevel pizza. You can have all the Malort. I don't want either one of those things. Wow. I, take me to the hill and get me some Italian food in St. Louis. <laughs> but so, Emo's Pizza, it... Now, look, I ate the it's whole amazing. thing. It's amazing, people. Prevel cheese. It's the way to go. I love St. Louis-style pizza. I, I disagree with Paul here. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna watch from afar with a coronavirus mask on because I don't want to <laughs> smell that stuff at all. And, uh, yeah. So, well, Carl and I are going are gonna to be back here later on this weekend as we take you all the way through until Sunday of uh, Missouri Valley Arch Madness. I Carl, thank you so much for, for joining hey, me on this it's, trip. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I hope that uh, I didn't embarrass myself. 45 minutes of what I hope is an overmodulated audio. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Union Street Hoops, go to Apple Pod, subscribe, go to nwi.com, click on every single link when it tells you you ran out of free articles and you should subscribe to the newspaper. Click on everything, retweet everything. Thank you very much for listening. Love you all. See you in St. Louis.